Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to a conversation with Pete Santilli. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And tonight is Monday, February 26th in the year 2024. Tonight we have our interview that we had tried to play last Friday night, which we had we had troubles with that technical issues. But it's our interview with a conversation, or a, it is an interview with Pete Santilli. So this is just a really good interview um, tonight. It's almost two hours long, and it is a um, great insight into Pete. He's been through a lot in his life. He's as a if you know Pete, he was with Lavoie, and um, it has been a difficult uh, time for him because when he was with Lavoie, they decided to make him a complicit in the crime, which there was no crime at all. They trumped up a bunch of charges and then sent him to jail for 600-plus days, which eventually all of that was thrown out of court because it was ridiculous. It was all made up. Sounds a lot like January 6th. But during that time in, in prison, and he was up in Multnomah County Jail, which is up in near Portland, he came to Christ, and he has a great story, and you're going to hear that side of him. He now has a, he's an investigative journalist. He's a former Marine. If you can say that I'm Marines, I don't know that. I think most Marines are Marines for life. And he has a program in Cincinnati, and if all goes well, we're going to have him at the, the Eclipse Bards Fest on April 8th to talk as well. So I'll keep you more posted on that. So a couple of big things before we get to the interview tonight. The... Um, site for the funding for Flemingsburg has been updated, and this is a big moment. So we were able to hit our initial goal of 27500 We exceeded that by almost two times in our first round, and that was, um, and it got the property off the market and got it secured. And now the next level of funding we have until the end of June, and we can get an extension if we need to, but I'm trying to keep us focused. We have until end of June to generate a total amount of $490,000, which then locks the contract in. We go to a, we get it into a long-term uh, contract note and the property would be officially ours as Bards Nation. So I'm going to encourage you to continue to spread that out and to uh, pray on it with us and let people know this is a really powerful moment. This is the Flemingsburg property, 285 campsites where we had Bards Fest in the fall. And this is, we're already planning a Bards Fest there for July 4th. And then that'll be a work party there as well, which we're going to build on before for the 4th of July event. We're going to put together Sammy's Grill, which is in honor of Jim Conley's son who passed away at the last Bards Fest. And then we're going to have another Bards Fest in October there. And that'll be, it'll be end of September, beginning of October, somewhere between the 20th and the 4th of October. And that will be another one. These events will start to take on some character. We haven't totally decided the full flavor. The July 4th event is definitely going to be a big one. And then I think as we move, everything will always be centered around, obviously, ministry worship, prayer, the fivefold ministry. 
But I think we're going to tailor the fall one as well towards more of a um, resource skills training center. So we'll see how that goes. But anyway, the update's been made. It's fantastic. It's like go bars nation. We were able to do the first round of this funding in under seven days, which was incredible. So thank you very much. And just, and however it is, I just ask that people continue to pray into this. This is a huge opportunity for us. And we're moving very rapidly towards that goal that we need. And, and we're going to try to target that goal towards the end of July or end of June. I just talked to Willie today. He's excited. Everything's in motion. It's just super. And everything's moving right along. So it's really good news. And just want to thank everybody and just ask that we continue to spread this out and contribute to this bigger goal, which is great. I've added a picture. If you if you go to the Give, Send, Go site, which is Give, Send, Go forward slash Flemingsburg, you can see a picture of the pay, sale pending sign. And I'll add some more detail. I've, I've updated a few things on the description. I am going to kind of redo the description here as we've gone into phase two of funding and talk about more of the, some of the specific build outs we're going to do and things like that and probably throw a video together over the next week or so so people can see that. Super exciting. Super, super exciting. So thank you. Let's keep spreading it and let's just keep praying on it. And let's, I'm just, I know that God's going to lead us to what we need. It's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Okay. Um, Pete Santilli. And it's a, he's a powerful voice in this movement. He's fearless. I have a lot of respect for him. And he's been through a lot. And this is, he was part, part of that first group of people, which is the Bundys and the Lavoys, that were literally used as hand puppets in the fight against patriots when i say that they were manipulated thrown in jail accused of of crimes that didn't exist and all of that was done by the fbi to try to infuse a civil war so it sounds pretty familiar and we're going to hear from him in just a second this is a long interview tonight it's almost two hours i decided to play the whole thing rather than split it so a quick call out uh, mypillow.com and it's the best place to go for for your sleep needs they are a fantastic company i wish we had like 300 of these patriot companies like what Mike Lindell leads. They've got some amazing sales going on right now. The Giza Elegance My Pillow, which is with the Giza thread, that whole fine thread that they use, fantastic pillow. They've got that on sale for as low as $19.99 with your promo code. They also have my towel sets, a six piece towel sets. They're down as low as $29.98. Those towel sets are fantastic, by the way. And they've got doggy beds. Everybody needs a doggy bed, right? I mean, all sorts of things. So if, if you head on over, to mypillow.com forward slash bards, you're going to see all these sales, including the MyPillow Down Comforter. I have one of these. It's a 600 fill, and these are down as low as $199 from $500. A fantastic deal. Those are a great comforter, too. So check it out. I know that you know my, my sleep setup is a MyPillow mattress, a MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow uh, Giza cotton sheets, MyPillow 2.0 pillows, Kind of like, and then a my pillow comforter. So it's like all my pillow. So if I'm telling you I like my pillow, it's because I do. I'm not making it up. So anyway, check it out. Head on over to mypillow.com forward slash bards, promo code bards, B A R D S. They still have free shipping going on for in your entire order. So check that out. And that's going to run out here soon. I don't know when. I just got a notice today, but I'll let you know when. And there we go. So. <laughs> I need a resistance chick. Scott, you need a dog to go with the doggy bed. Yes, I do, but I don't have one yet. And I'm looking at what type of dog that's going to be. I found a couple cool dogs. Big. I like I like big dogs. I like dogs that are like 80, 120-pound range. 60's okay. 80, 60, 80, 120-pound range. My Newfoundland that I had years ago was 138 pounds. She was a beast. 
she could literally like pull me off my feet when she wanted to go somewhere. And uh, when I was visiting with Michelle and Leah, they were they were dog sitting a Chihuahua, aka a Chihui Hui. Oh, I can't believe that dog fell in love with me because it was a, I'm not a lap dog guy, but that dog liked me, so I don't know what to say about that. I have to give full disclosure. I can't I can't deny that it's true. The dog, the dog, liked to come up in my lap in the middle of the show. I have to just say that whatever. But even though I wasn't real, I was like a small dog. Please come on now. I'm a big dog guy, just the way it is. All right, Patriots. With that. Let's um, get going on this interview. We've got a good two hours ahead of us for a great interview. I think you'll really enjoy it. Lots of topics covered tonight. So with that, let me introduce you to Pete Santilli. Patriots, today I am so excited. I've got a, a the, the kindred spirit here, and this is Pete Santilli. And if you don't know Pete Santilli, you're going to know Pete Santilli by the time we're through today. He is a legend in my book. He's when through a lot and this government doesn't like him, which when I hear that, I just raise my hands and I say, amen, this is a good man. Um, he is, uh, the Pete Santilli show is available on Rumble, if you haven't come across him there, and also PeteLive.tv. All that said, we're just going to let Pete tell his story and get to know him really well today and then all sorts of other crazy stuff. Who knows where we'll go. Pete, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great. You know, before we got started, we had, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm first, first of all, I'm not just saying this to, you know, to, um, to suck up to the, uh, the host, but, um, I, I need to tell you this story. I, I, I loved your work. I've, I've, I've appreciated your work. I've learned some things through your work, uh, your broadcast. You had an event, I think it was last year or the year before, and you know, our, our schedules get pretty busy. I'm sure you know that. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to fight tooth and nail to get to that Bards event. What was that event? Was it last year? Well, we've had three of them now. So we had one in 2021, which is St. Louis. And then we had, and then we had one last fall in Flemingsburg, Kentucky, which is pretty close to you. Actually, it's like 90 minutes. I was going to go to the St. Louis one. And I was literally just saying, I need, I was thirsty to just get in the car and go. I was literally that inspired uh, uh, to get there. Um, and, you know, we're divinely inspired to do certain things. And I would say in that context, I was driven. I, I couldn't get there, unfortunately, but I wanted to. Well, no, so you're going to be at the next one. Don't worry about it. Because we're going to have Where one. It? It's going to be in Flemingsburg, Kentucky next fall. And that's 90 minutes. You can't you can't yeah. say no. I'm just telling you. Oh, that. no, I'll be there. Absolutely be there. That's yeah. awesome. You know, and here's the main reason why, because I've been to a few events that we'll talk about um, that, uh, you know, God brought a great group of people together at each and every one of those moments. You know, we'll talk about the, you know, the Bundy story uh, uh, and, and what led me to go meet uh, a man and his family. Uh, named Clive and Bundy. It was it was divinely inspired. Period. That's awesome. Good people that got got together. So that that's you know your your events draw draw those types of of souls at, at a at, at a gathering like that. And I certainly always uh, am thirsty to 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 go in that direction. Well, this is exciting actually. This whole thing because we're actually that piece of property that we had. It's a fifty five acre facility. Was a campground with a big pavilion. I say it is a big campground, but it's got 285 campsites. It's got a 
pavilion that handles 400 people. It's got a stage. It's got a big, we have a big outdoor barbecue area. And there's a bunch of other stuff there, including a lake and showers and bathrooms. What's the date of that event right now? I'm going to block it out in my calendar. So it's Bardsfest. I don't have an exact date for you because we're setting that. Oh, it's either okay. going to be at the end of September or the beginning of October. Somewhere okay. between the end of September to October 4th, that range. And I'll let you know as soon as we get that locked in. It's coming very quickly. Awesome. But what right. you don't know, and I mean, it's just we're literally in the process of purchasing that property. That's going to be like a center point now for a lot of festivals. It's great. Mm -hmm. And the owner is incredible. He's just like, he literally was inspired. He's like, you guys have to own this. And I'm like, okay. And he has been working with us to make it happen. And it's incredible. This is all God, seriously. I mean, it's just incredible. It's really good. Well, let's talk a little bit about you. Um, you're you're housed in Cincinnati, right? I am. You know, uh, uh, and, and we'll, we'll tell the story about Bunny Ranch because I was in Southern California and I was down the 15 freeway, uh, you know, in Southern California in, in uh, the high desert in Victorville for raised a family out there in the high desert for like 20 something, 20 something years. And I came to Ohio. Um, and, and this is another part of the story. Uh, because I had a, uh, an opportunity to audition for uh, a radio show here in Cincinnati. Uh, WLW is the biggest radio station in the country. And so I, I headed out this way. And um, uh, it was in December of 2015, at the very end of December 2015, uh, Ammon Bundy asked me to go, you know, advocate for the Hammond family, a rancher family out there in southeastern Oregon. And um, I, I set out uh, on that journey, was out there for a month, and I didn't come back for a couple of years, and I missed that audition and never got the gig with WLW, but I'm still here, and I love Cincinnati. There was a, I'm sorry, you didn't come back for a couple of years. Can we fill in that blank a little bit? I literally, okay, so 2014, uh, you know, I'm in Southern California, and uh, we'll talk in, in more detail uh, about Cliven Bundy when I interviewed him December, I'm sorry, April 8th of 2014. Uh, I got off that interview and I told my team, and I had never left the studio. I said, there is something that is driving me. There's something, it was just an overwhelming feeling. I, my whole team knows this. I had never left the studio. I said, I want to go out there and see what's going on and meet these people. There's something about this. And I said, what do you guys think? We'll shut the show down. I'll head out to Bunny Ranch. And I, I just drove up the 15 freeway. And we'll talk how that whole thing came about. But, I mean, it was a beautiful thing uh, because it ended, you know, peacefully. People heard that there was a standoff. It wasn't a standoff. I'll tell you what it was in just a few minutes here. But a couple of years later, uh, a beautiful family, you know, the Bundys, uh, contacted me. Ammon said, there's another rancher family out in South southeastern Oregon, and the government is just insisting that they go to jail for, you know, for goofy reasons because they want to get ranchers off the land. Um, they've taken 400,000 head of cattle off of the land in southeastern Oregon. So we're going to have uh, a peaceful protest, a gathering, an appeal to the sheriff and the prosecutors and tell them to stop picking on the Hammond family. So I said, yeah, I, I will go. Absolutely. Uh, so we left Cincinnati. I think it was December 26th of uh, 2015. Um, at very beginning of January, uh, a small group of protesters uh, took over an empty wildlife refuge 
um, in protest and um, drew international press coverage. And I refused to leave there. I was upset that, you know, people took over, you know, a wildlife refuge. But I said, you folks don't deserve to die. I'm going to stay here and report on this and keep some eyeballs on it. And I actually covered that story for almost a month. By the end of January, uh, the, 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 the federal government, James Comey, sent 450 heavily armed, uh, we'll call them special forces guys, they're HRT team members, out there to stop the virus from spreading and shut down the protest. We sent an army out there at the end of January. Uh, and they ended up ambushing a small group of the protesters that was going to a different county. Uh, I was supposed to be in that ambush. Uh, but I, I was too tired. I was going to go meet the sheriff the following day. Well, after they shot and killed Lavoy Fenicum, they fired shots. At, I mean, it was a horrifying ambush. Um, I, I wanted to go get the women and children out of the refuse. I said, this is crazy. What are you doing shooting people? These are godly souls. And they said, uh, Mr. Sansilli, so are you willing to go up there and get the women and children? I said, yeah, of course. I mean, wouldn't you? Uh, this has gotten crazier, firing bullets at people that it's unnecessary. So let's get the women and children out of there. And I said, okay, we'll think about it. And about a minute later, they said, Mr. Santilli, you're under arrest. And I said, I am? I said, yes, come right this way. I said, what am I under arrest for? And they didn't say anything. And uh, I said, okay, well, you know, maybe they just want to get me off the street because my coverage was, I mean, we were reaching millions of people. And I said, maybe they just want to get me off the streets. And I went willingly and wouldn't answer my question. And I literally was put into the federal detention center, um, held with made-up charges. They come to find out after months, uh, we found out that they just fabricated a 302 report. They were upset about my coverage in Bunny Ranch in 2014. Um, they indicted me under false pretenses. And they held me for 619 days total. And I faced four life sentences. And after 619 days, I was able to walk out the door. And I can tell you why when you ask me, but there's one reason why that happened. And it wasn't by anything that I did, but um, it was probably one of the most exhilarating, awesome experiences of my entire life. It was great. Well, let's hear about it. That's, I'm going to ask you. So what was it? I spent almost seven months in solitary confinement in the very beginning up in Portland, Oregon. And, um, you know, for my quote unquote protection. And one of my good friends says, you know, Santilli, you better make good use of your time. They're not going to release you. You, you might as well, you know, read the scriptures, make good uh, use of your time. And I'm like, I never read the Bible before. I'm a Ro recovering Roman Catholic, you know. I said, but you're right, I'll read the Bible. And I started reading the Bible. And I'm a disciplined United States Marine. <laughs> and when I set out to read the Bible from cover to cover, I started doing it, reading it, gibberish, gibberish. Genesis is great, right? And then you just, I was just reading it. It was all gibberish. It didn't make sense to me. And I'm just combing through it. But I was disciplined, and I'd pick up a story here and there. But I'm like, oh, it was just a grind. You know, it wasn't until... Really, the most impactful moment was in Matthew when I started 
reading the story about the parables, and I read a passage that essentially um, indicated that the, if you're not ready to receive the word of God, I mean, it's almost, um, uh, it's an unspoken truth in that when you're not ready to receive his word in full, uh, then you're not ready. But when you are, it will, it will come to you. You will start to understand it. And the Bible at Matthew at that point was almost the best way to describe it came out and I started understanding everything as if it were to come out of the pages holographically. And I was all by myself. And I tell this story, um, on a, you know, on on, on afraid to tell this story. I literally tears of joy. I, I, I was understanding everything and I felt so blessed at that moment that that had come to me. And it was like, uh, it was an aha moment. And I said, Lord, I said, thank you for being so patient with me. And I got down on my knees. I confessed my sin so wholeheartedly. But the main thing that I did, I said, Lord, I said, whatever your will is, I accept it. If you say that I have to stay in here forever, I'm going to be your warrior here. And I'm going to spread your, I'm going to tell them everything I'm experiencing right now, whether it be within these walls or outside of these walls. And I said, and if you bring a miracle, because Lord, I believe that it'd be a waste of talent if you left me in this box for the rest of my life. I said, so I have a special request. And I literally said it like this, right? I said, that would be a waste of talent. But if you let me out and it's your will and you bring a miracle and you walk me out these doors because I'm facing four life sentences, I said, I promise you that I will give you all of the glory. And I accepted it, and I was born again at that moment. And, uh, Scott, I'm telling you, I am speaking to you right now because of that. I would not be speaking to you if I hadn't hadn't called out to him and asked him for the miracle, not just to save me as we always do, rinse and repeat, please get me out of this mess, Lord, right? No, I, I accepted his will. And, and with everything in my soul. And when that miracle came, I haven't stopped telling the story. I've made him a promise, and I'm going to keep it until until the day I walk through the pearly gates. That is an awesome story. I told you briefly beforehand, which people on the show here have heard many times, but which I always refer back to episode 64, which is my testimony, because we don't have a full hour to do it. But in in parallel to some of what you're talking about, I had that experience of being thrown in, but only for 20 days, mind you. Mm-hmm. But it, it's that first night where, as I tell the story many times, you walk into the cell and I'm looking at a, a skinhead, or I thought it was a skin, what is a skinhead previously? And uh, I'm looking at a swastika on the back wall and he gives me his name. And I immediately just, I, I know that name because it's the guy that used to run the skinheads on the West Coast. And they had, that whole clan had brutally killed an Ethiopian kid in Portland State. So I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be quite the night. And he looks at the swastika and turns back to me and goes, it's all done in pencil on white cinder block. And he says, uh, oh, that. He goes, sorry about that. He goes, I've been trying to get the guards to give me something to wipe it off with, but they wouldn't give me anything. And then turns to me and says, good thing you have me as a celly. And it was Chris Metzger was his name. And so Metzger was the last name that just came to me. 
And he says, good thing you have me as a celly. He goes, uh, God puts us together for amazing ways. At that moment in time, and I tell this so many times, it was like I was having a, my, the Holy Spirit was just rewriting my brain, literally. It was like I, I felt like I was going to have an aneurysm. And I went into that night in one of the darkest nights I've ever had where literally I'm like time in the guards and I'm like, I'm just going to end my life. This is it. And God says, just comes to me in a flash and I can still see it in my head. And he's like, you need to make a choice. Life with me or death. What do you want? And it's not your time if you choose with me. And I'm like, I'm choosing you. And never look back. That experience for the next 20 days was like a, it was just like being in a revival. Every single person I ran into, whether it was Native Americans or the head enforcer for Crips or whether it was somebody else in, in, in these different cells, everybody was like handing me Bibles and we were talking scripture and we were in Bible study. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> I mean, you're just in a whole different, it's like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that changed my life. So, I mean, I and when I got out of there, I, I went down to South Georgia where a buddy of mine lived. He had a farm. Um, special forces sniper, Delta medic. And um, he said, come on, you need to get down here. So I had gone down. I had met his pastor a year before, and I told God, if this is, if there was a pastor I wanted to really connect with, it would be him. And sure enough, where do I end up a year later? Right there on his farm. He says, I've got an old farmhouse on the back of the property. You can live there. You can remodel it, do whatever you want, which I did. And two weeks later, after I got there, I was rebaptized and uh, accepted Christ and just said, okay, this is it. Uh, this is what you want me here, Lord. Take me to wherever you need me to go, and I'll give it to you. And the thing he had told me, too, is I need you to tell you to do your back to your storytelling. That's where I need you to be. And I'm like, okay. So very much like you, I'm like, you get all the glory, and I just go. So here we are, two guys. You know, here's my question to you. Yeah. Uh, and and, and uh, you can relate to this uh, because you continue to do your work. Here's my question to you. I just think to myself, like your story and my story, um, I don't even think that that's what's required for everybody else to to tap into something that's available to all of us. We don't need a shocking event. We don't need a you know that moment where you're just in a box. I would say that just because of my life circumstances, I probably ignored that potential where I just opened up the door and called out to him. And for a long time. So it required that shocking moment to be in isolation. But I'm, you know, an exception. I wish that I could tell everybody, guess what? Skip that step. Like, skip all the trauma. Just call out to him and test him and 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 call out his name and ask him for that miracle to come into your life. Whatever whatever it may be. And then when it comes and you know that it came from him. Uh, but you don't need to be in a jail cell. You don't need to be facing four life sentences to have that open line of communication with the Lord. Don't you agree? Oh, I agree. I mean, it, unfortunately I would agree. And then I add the, unfortunately, I know how hard headed I was. Yeah. And I yeah. know that he wanted me to be in a place he'd given me like you, I'm, you know, and there's gifts and talents he needed activated. And it's like, we always have a choice, but it's like, I'm going to give you one and yeah. you're not listening. So, okay, I'll show you, you can make that choice. And that's kind of how I look back on that. It's like so many times I was running so close and he was right there with me. I could take you through many stories in Afghanistan where I'm just like, wow, like you literally had me on this path doing stuff that 
And it's just, my whole story in Afghanistan is such an unconventional people have a story. People said, why don't you write a book? I said, because people won't believe me. I mean, literally, you would not believe. This is like one of these stories by Gore Vidal, where you're like the, the witness of history is historical fiction, right? That this guy's always, this one character is always in the middle of these historical events. You're like, nobody could ever do that. And, and I, I look back, I'm like, well, that would be kind of the journey in Afghanistan. Um, I mean, just a simple example, Mike Flynn, right? Mm-hmm. He, he and I were connected in Afghanistan indirectly from General, two, Flynn? General Flynn. Really? He and wow. I were connected indirectly with what he was doing in intelligence and what I was doing over with General Scott Miller from 2009 forward. And we crossed paths a number of times. We didn't even, we connected first by email, by introduction. I had him on my show and I didn't meet him until two summers ago in Anaheim. We had never had time together to even say hello. And it's just like, but, but he knew of me and I knew of him. And that's just like one of many, many, many stories like this. So to your point, I don't think you need to have the, the Missouri mule hit your head over, be hit over the head with a two by four moment. But I do think that if God's calling you and he's calling you and you're not listening, then at some point you're probably going to get it because he loves you that much. And he's just going to be like, mm-hmm. I need you. So whatever it takes, yeah. I'm going to get you to where you need to be. And, and, and this is an important time uh, yeah. oh, where, yeah. where we're all feeling, we're all being traumatized. We're not necessarily in a box, but we're all in a box. We're, we're, we're patriots. We're suffering a, you know, a sense of mourning for our country. So maybe that's that emotional state that everyone needs to be in where mm-hmm. you think there's no hope. Well, guess what? There sure is. He's going to come in. He's going to intervene. And we need to collectively, I say collect, I don't like the term collective, uh, but the power in all of us come together and saying, all right, Lord, it's time for you to come in and intervene. This is way above our pay grade, right? Yeah. No, that's very true. It's very true. Mm -hmm. Well, you've gone on now to just have a fantastic show. And compliments, by the way, on your new studio. It looks great. I got to see it. I've seen some images of it, and I saw the layout from the other day when you did you had Michelle and Lee of the resistance chicks on. That was good. That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, I compliments on you. I, I don't think I've laughed so hard on your live cast you were doing for the convoy when you called the white house. Epic, by the way, epic. Just wanted to tell you that. Which, which one was that? Cause it, I called the white house. <laughs> this was the other day when you had Michelle and Lee on and you literally like, let's call the white house. And you're literally, they answered, and you're like, we want to yeah. come here and pray, but we'd like you to leave because we want to get the demons out. And, yes. then, and then you're yes. like, oh, can, can we talk to the Secret Service? Because they, we need our protection. I was laughing. Pete, that was epic. I, anybody who oh, hasn't seen that needs to go find that clip. It was good. It was good. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, That's so. great. And you know, the demons, the, we, we have to talk about that. And it's all related to every single experience that, you know, when we talk about Bundy Ranch and and Malheur and all that stuff. What an amazing journey that I've been on and learning about who has been at the center of all the stuff that's upon our country. And I, I'm so blessed to have been exposed to it, to understand it. Well, let's talk about it. I mean, I'm with you because that's, you know, we. for me, I just look at this and I'm like, okay, we have the satanic horrors running this nation and we have a mass of, which as the, and anonymous researchers like to say the NPCs, the non-player characters that are out here walking around like there's no big deal. And then you've got this other group of people that are literally awake and we're, 
were like throwing stuff like wake up wake up oh yeah you know and and then as we have the sacrificial cult running our nation it's just crazy so yeah let's talk about it yeah you know uh and, and if somebody goes and they google pete santilli and you're gonna find stories out there and he was a radical right wing i mean the same exact stuff that they do to all of us you know you wear a red hat you know you're a white nationalist racist whatever blah 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 oh yeah i i had i had 30 stories published about my charges when i was in jail on the day four when i didn't they would not tell me what they were but the entire nation got to hear it plus tv interviews that i wasn't part of just saying yeah and you know why they do that is because they they have to it's a it, it's a it, it's a methodology that we've watched them rinse and repeat because they've sought after through operation patcon these operations we'll, we'll say dating back to like uh, oklahoma city bombing right they have to take out the patriots the militia the those individuals that are 18 to 45 years of age or maybe you're you were in the military and you know you're an advocate for you know the u.s constitution got to take those people out and the only way to do that is to set up a false flag and demonize those people. Well, guess what they do prior to, you know, let's say Waco. They run a campaign to basically get the public that's unknowing to accept what they're going to do to those people. That when they burn everybody up in that building in Waco, well, you just listen to three, four weeks of propaganda that they're, you know, gun runners, they're pedophiles, they're radicals, they're blah, 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 blah. That way when the... When everybody watches it on TV and they see that building burning and 95 souls are toast, you say, well, you know, the government, you know, they must have had a reason to do that. And so it's propaganda. It's it, it now, now I'm going to just give you a quick thumbnail here and then you want, you can unpack it from where I'm about to go right now. You may have interviewed the Bundys, may have talked to them over the years. I don't know how many. Cliven, I have, he's up in Idaho. Awesome. Spoken to, you've spoken to um, uh, Ammon? Is that oh, I'm sorry, Ammon. I said Clay. I am in Bundy. Yeah, he and I, it's been about a year, I, and I've, I've been trying to get a hold of him lately, and, I, and I, I think his cell phone changed, but wanted to get him back on. He's awesome. He's, I can help you with that. Okay, thank <laughs> you. That would be great. I can't, but uh, he's like a brother to me. Yeah. And um, let, me, let me tell you what you haven't heard, and it's something that happened a couple of months ago. Um. If you go Google and you find out about Bundy Ranch and you hear that it was a standoff, it wasn't a standoff. Um, or you hear about the Malheur National Wildlife Refuge and they took over federal, federal buildings, blah, blah, blah. Whatever it is that you've heard. Now let's fast forward to two months ago after almost 10 years of trying to expose the truth. And this is thanks to a federal agent that blew the whistle. Good Christian man. His name is Larry Wooten. He wrote a 250-page expose of what a judge signed off on. It's remarkable what, what the judge discovered is that all of those incidents with the Bundy Ranch and the Malheur National Wildlife Refuge were operations intending to provoke an armed confrontation with the American people. That they had... No legal justification to do whatever they did. They didn't have any warrants. They didn't have any of that. They ran social media influence operations to draw the supporters of Clive and Bundy. And they started that months before I had even done an interview with them. I thought that in April of 2014, I did an interview. I went out there and I thought that my video 
that went up on Fox News produced an organic event that, you know, thankfully ended peacefully. No, guess when it started? Months beforehand. They were running one of the most sophisticated social media influence operations. And in their own documentation, they said, you know what, let's find out who's going to support Clive and Bundy. And let's kind of lure them in and we'll round them all up. Uh, at Malier, the whole thing was that and they used the most sophisticated surveillance technology known to mankind. They deemed us all to be domestic terrorists. Does that sound familiar? Oh, yeah. They all to be domestic terrorists for one reason, because that gives the FBI and the DOJ the ability to listen to all of our communications as if we were a foreign national under surveillance, the, the most powerful surveillance technology. With that terror designation, they listened to everything, and they essentially reverse-engineered indictments. So they've been caught. They were caught because of an internal whistleblower. Uh, and for the first time, I think, in American history, uh, a, a, now a civil case, a tort case, is moving forward. They're going to have to pay billions of dollars uh, to all the defendants for destroying their lives intentionally. Well, that ties in with the uh, Supreme Court case that just took away immunity, basically, from prosecution for federal agencies. You saw that, right? Yeah, a, a qualified immunity. You know where that came from, by the way? No. Uh, do you remember uh, any of the details of Ruby Ridge and Lon Horiuchi? No, yeah. It's horrible. That whole story is horrible. As a matter of fact, I ended, ended up befriending an FBI agent that was at Ruby Ridge that was so traumatic when he saw how bad the agency, the FBI was, he left. And mm -hmm. um, he made, I, just, I met him, he just starts confessing all this stuff. And he's like, I was part of this. It was the most horrific operation. It was all a lie, the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, guess what? Lon Horiuchi, um, when, when he had charges against him, uh, a man named, um, uh, who we now know as A.G. Barr, William Barr, came out of retirement to defend Lon Horiuchi for the DOJ. And his, his, his center of focus was to establish and craft qualified immunity for federal agents that if in the course of their duties, you know, somebody dies, uh, you, you know, they can't be held to account. And uh, it was Bill Barr that really shored up that qualified immunity stuff. Well, guess what happened after that is that all of these rogue agents, which there's a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them, they know they can get away with just about anything because they have qualified immunity. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the most awful things that was crafted by Bill Barr himself former Central Intelligence Agency uh, asset and agent, I think, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing that people... I've seen this on another level. And I mentioned to you beforehand, I, mean, I worked as a contracted aspect to a CIA team. It's They do everything through cutouts and stuff. But anyway, you got to see the way a lot of this was working. And so many of them go into politics and they infiltrate into the government. And it's there's... Oh, yeah. There are some good agency people, but the majority of them have a lot of mixed morals. If someone has not seen The Terminal List, which was a, a series put out in on uh, Prime on Amazon, and it's all about a Navy SEAL team that's wiped out, 
all at the end of the day because of a big pharma drug that they gave him that was causing, interestingly enough, clots, blood clots and brain tumors. Interesting, huh? And the end of it is what's important. I mean, in understanding the agency, the guy that is working with him to help get revenge ends up also betraying him. That's That's the mentality of the agency. They are always about themselves and whoever pays the highest dollar. Mm-hmm. So these people, when they go from agency, which sounds like noble, like I serve the nation as a CIA person, and then they go into politics, which is a perfect fit for them because they can be duplicitous on everything and always live with themselves somehow, which I don't know how they do it. But anyway. I don't get it. Um, and, 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 and you know, when we look at Congress, I've become so so cynical. Uh, I actually went through a list of all the new Congress people and, like, I'd say I got to a point where it was very clear that about 50% of them are former military intel or intel agencies themselves, half of Congress. So, so they've got their assets running around in the halls of Congress. You think they're operating on behalf of uh, the will of the people? No, Not even. they certainly aren't. They're, they're part, they're probably the, the biggest, most powerful weapon in the weaponization of government. It's incredible. On that... Mm-hmm whole issue which takes us back to the protest over in at the wildlife refu- refuge on january 26th which was 2017 sorry my or my my 2016 2016 20 on january 26th they killed robert lavoy finnegan and it's been murder a, yeah it was murder. murder absolutely it was gunned down in cold blood by a, a a oregon state trooper which to this day those boys in blue have circled around and never have relieved, released the name of who did the gunning. Isn't that correct? Yeah, but even more important, and, and by the way, what I'm about to state is, you know, legally accurate. It's correct. Um, the HRT team members that uh, were in charge of the operation, A, they asked all the, oh, they call them OSP, Oregon State Police, uh, to not wear any body cams. Um they probably sleep deprived them for 48 hours prior to the operation, prior to the ambush. And they had them so wound up to know that these guys are coming with guns are going to die. And they had them so on edge and trigger happy uh, prior to this ambush. It was the, you know, we were the most dangerous people on planet earth, domestic terrorists. That's what they told the OSP. So they were on edge. Well, um, Joseph Astorita, was an HRT team member, and he fired a couple of provocative rounds. And guess what that set off? A cascade of gunshots because OSP was just triggered. I mean, they were on the trigger, and they were paranoid. And those provocative rounds were initiated to set off a cascade of OSP, you know, uh, gunmen just coming out and, 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 of course, firing bullets and shooting and, and killing Robert Lavoie Finnegan. But the HRT team members fired those provocative rounds. They got caught picking up expended rounds and then lying about, you know, them being the first ones to fire, you know, the first volley of shots. Uh, but it was all done to initiate the murder of Robert Lavoie Fenneca. They also had drone footage that they released, which I have always had the contention that that was done intentionally and released intentionally to try to put fear and hatred both within the ranks of the militias and the patriot movement across the nation. Yeah, I'm going to overemphasize this one point from, and and by the way, if you look at the FBI's um, uh, training materials on on, uh, domestic violent extremism, right, leading up to, let's say, January 6th and 
profiling people. They train all their people. The beginning timeline of the evolution of the domestic violent extremists was Bundy Ranch protesters, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they called it the Bundy standoff. Well, the, the beginning of the timeline, now we have it legally established that it was all manufactured by the Southern Poverty Law Center, by the Department of Justice, by the Department of Interior, by the DOJ, the FBI. It was all a pre-planned, manufactured, they created domestic violent extremism. They provoked the whole thing. They entrapped a whole bunch of people. None of it that you read in the indictments as to a standoff or assaulting officers, none of it was true. It was, they reverse engineered that indictment. They basically wrote the indictment before, you know, anything happened. They said, what do we want? We want to round up a bunch of patriots that should ever dare, you know, wave a flag and stand for the Constitution. How are we going to do that? Well, Clive and Bundy was that perfect opportunity to lure, you know, as they say, honey potting, lure the bears out into the middle of the clearing and sit around the honeypot. That way they could round them up. They, they literally wrote this in their own documentation that the Bundy family was, they did a threat assessment. They're like, they're not, they're harmless. But the greater reward is if we hold off and find out who their supporters are. And if we can get their supporters to come in, uh, and the DOJ coached everybody. They spent $6 million on a military compound. They had helicopters, guns, you know, gunships. Uh, it, but, but it was all done to, to put that out into uh, the public, to provoke the public. You know, somebody in South Carolina sees that and says, oh, not just no, but hell no. You know, I'm going to go stand with patriots. And they did that intentionally to entrap everyone. Uh, and then they lied all the way through. They said there were assaults, but it was all literally a false flag pre-manufactured operation months in advance using very, very sophisticated um, uh, technology that they mastered in the, uh, in, in the, um, uh, the, the, the battlegrounds of, you know, of Iraq and Afghanistan, Afghanistan especially, um, using social media influence operations. Yeah, I'm familiar with it. This is this part of it is just sickening. I mean, what they did, and yeah, they did the American people. Yeah. yeah. Well, just so you know, this is a very interesting parallel because in 2012, I was working at a in a group called Asymmetric Warfare Group, which was at Fort Meade, and it's mm -hmm. called the Special Missions Unit. It's no longer mm -hmm. in existence. They've since disbanded it, <laughs> probably because we were good, but. um I gave a presentation, a briefing to a small team that I was with, which were, was called Dog Squadron. They were, uh, we were the Concepts and Integration Squadron for future plan, future threats. And I laid it out and said that, you know, the greatest threat that we have, and, I, and this is not something I brag about. I wish I'd been wrong about this. I truly mean this. But the research was pointing because I was, I was an information influence guy. And I said the greatest threat that we face in the coming years is going to be a domestic public-private partnership war against the people that's going to wage a PSYOP war and information influence war using every tool we have and using ad agencies and media and film to accomplish their goals. And we not only don't have any way to stop it, we have no authorities to stop it. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, we, this is where, we, we see where we've arrived. And this impact of people's lives, right? Why did you say that? Why did you make that statement? 2012. 
Oh, it 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 uh, it came to life. It's prophetic that you said that because it's difficult to unpack everything in a show like this, and it's overwhelming. I hope I've been able to at least condense a lot of what you just said was absolutely deployed uh, on American patriots for the purposes of they reverse engineered an indictment. Why? Because they got to make an example of anybody that stands up against the system. Mm-hmm. And and it was all done for propagandization. If they could round up a bunch of flag-waving patriots and call them terrorists and demonize them, it started with the help of Southern Poverty Law Center, too. Talk about public-private partnership. You had the environmental agencies that were working in concert with the government. Why? Why environmental agencies? Well, because they're working in concert with the special interests that want the lithium, the gold, the water, the blah, blah, blah. and uh, the wealth that's under, you know, the, the, the topsoil where the rancher is. And they use the excuse of the spotted mouse that we need to save. No, that's all a hoax, too. They want to get humans off of the land and then negotiate the rights to the mineral rights. Over $167 trillion of natural resources wealth. And the environmental movement, um, the government... And NGOs like the Southern Poverty Law Center are all working in concert uh, in order to extract the wealth out from underneath their feet. And they will stop at nothing, including incarcerating people, killing people, and they've done it uh, in my cases. Well, there's another one we came across. I was doing consulting in uh, 2012, 13, 14, even up to as late as uh, 15 for oil and gas. And we did a project in Denver where there was a big movement to stop fracking. It was on the Denver ballot. I think that was 2014 or 2013, as I recall. And when we started doing the threat analysis, finance, financial threat analysis, what we started to realize is where this, how this money was channeling. It was starting in Dubai or Qatar, depending on. And then it was channeling through Germany. And then they were dumping it into the World Wildlife Fund in D.C., and then what we see today, would be, people have become more aware of it, but they were paying these operatives to go into these communities to rent homes or buy homes. And then these operatives would go into the school boards. They would go into, you know, all the soccer moms' homes and start talking about, you know, the horrors of, of natural gas and, and then getting the, that upswell to cap the wells, seal it off, and, of course, that other part of that was the unspoken, which is the Chinese were making positions on it to buy them in the future, which is where we are today. One of the most, uh, it's, it's like massive cognitive dissonance. And where this all kind of came to, to reality is I was standing in a community near one of the well sites that they were protesting. And I'm looking around at this mountain behind me. And it's, it's, it's a pretty good size hill. I'm going to call it a mountain, but it's a good size hill. Significant enough that there's, it's like a really small little, picture of a huge massive bulldozer on top so i mean it's, it's that far up and up right and i'm looking at the community with this nice sidewalks and all this you know it's it's little suburbia model right out of leave it to beaver and i'm looking at this fracking well that's sealed and they're all upset about it and i suddenly realize that this little hill behind me is a landfill and it's it's massive i'm not i mean it is huge and, of course, it's got nice green grass on top of it now because they've all managed to cover it and seal it in plastic, apparently. 
and I, I'm I'm talking to this researcher I had, and I said, "What is going on here?" I mean, this is like this is the most incredible thing ever. This is like this is 2013, I think. And I, it was so obvious. I mean, this is how much they can spin up people, and how much people live in this kind of dream world. And they wanted, and it's the do goodness of people. Like, oh yes, we must get rid of the evil out of our neighborhood. And you're just like, you're sitting on cancer, and you're worried about one fracking well. It's yeah, a, it's now, incredible. Can right? I take you? Can I take you? To, and you don't, of course, you had a top secret security clearance. You can't mm -hmm. speak of any specifics, but if just generally, mm -hmm. all right. This is what I learned. You know. Uh, I say open source is through my legal cases. Mm -hmm. um, in, in the, um, you know, in Afghanistan, um, if you're sitting there, you're with special opera, you're wanting to go get bad guys and you're sitting there and you're a little mini think tank and you're thinking, how could we really just round out the maximum number of high value targets and all of their minions and just get them all kettled into an area? We want to do that. Just, Round them up and kill them all, right? And that's a good thing. They're bad guys. Uh, what's the best way to do that? And you just come up with a concept. And then you reverse engineer that scenario that causes them to all come together. And you exploit their emotions. And you provide some, you know, intel about the group that is they're very passionate about, you know, arguing with over the past three or 400 years. And you create this conflict and you create the scenario and manufacture the event that will get them into a geographical area where you've got them totally contained. And you use multiple levels of influence, social media, you know, human intelligence, right? Mm -hmm. And you manufacture exploiting the emotions of these people, maybe two factions, two groups that have been warring with each other uh, to show up at this area so you can blast them all. Have you ever heard of such a, a scenario like that deployed oh, yeah. by our yes. military? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's Bundy Ranch. That's Bundy Ranch and yep. Mallory National Wildlife Refuge. And we have it documented legally and a federal agent that came out and admitted it. Yeah, that's I'm, what they did for the purpose of provoking an armed confrontation with the American people. This is something we, those of us that um, I would say are awake, and I, I'm going to take you back to 2008. I was over on the Pakistan border and I'd been. Uh, I was working with a team over there. We had some embedded trainers and we had special forces and we had a small CIA base over there. And I'd been asked to write an article by Arianna Huffington for the elections and to give the election night results from the perspective of soldiers. And this is what Huffington Post is kind of like the big alternative media thing, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. Arianna Huffington, the pro-environmentalist that ran around with five SUVs and you know herself in the middle with all of her armed guards, that one. Um, and so I wrote two pieces and one was the anti and one was the pro and both of them came down to the same, which is we're soldiers. And, and it was just very transparent. And it's like, well, there were soldiers and no matter who's the president, we're going to obey and serve our country, but they voiced their opinion. And I, and I anonymized their names for very particular reasons. The public affairs system in the military sent me a note and said, this is one of the best pieces of journalism we've had you've let our soldiers speak honestly so i want to put that just pin that this thing hits in the huffington post it goes front page within 24 hours i'd never seen anything like it and we're, we're sitting now you know you're you're what five thousand six thousand miles away maybe eight thousand miles away 
and you're watching this in, in happen before you online. And soldiers were sitting around watching this, and I'm in disbelief. 2,500 comments in less than 24 hours that went from you're a traitor to the United States to you're a baby killer, fascist, blood-drinking, sucking whore. What is that? Right. On this article because they challenged the, the because they were not happy with the outcome of the election. And even though they had all said we will serve the president. For the one, and this is even better, for the article that I wrote that was pro-Obama, and it happened to be a black soldier, 1,200 comments of the same thing, basically saying you're not telling the truth. Mm. And you're like, okay, what just happened in this country? What literally that, just happened? Is that real? Is that real? Do you think it was real? That's a good question. At the time, I wasn't as well aware of the assets that they had deployed to manufacture these, and I wasn't aware of the uh, like the troll farms and the people they were paying. I've come to believe now that most of that was manufactured, at least by they had their their centers of influence that were producing these things. And what when year I, was that? Was two thousand eight. So to be honest with oh. you, we're still running behind. We weren't even aware. I wasn't even aware of what was going on in some of the labs at that point in time. Mm -hmm. By two thousand twelve, when I went to USC and one of their labs, and I and I ran into the you know, one of the contracts that was being run out of DARPA and the, and the DOD where they had in 2012 already had the AI engines to write full blogs and full and respond to full posts. Now keep that in mind. They're saying it's new. They already had it in 2012. It was active. And that was under a, a grant from DOD and DARPA. My eyes started to get open. I'm like, what did we really see? And, and that's where you start to realize that the mechanisms of influence were already being well-developed and shaped long before people understood what they were. Today, when we talk about artificial intelligence, it is so far advanced. I mean, I, I in fact, in, uh, back to that same time frame of 2012, 2013, my research theorized that there, has, there had been a rogue AI released into the system somewhere probably from Langley that was now running in the shadows behind and manipulating market trends and they had lost control of it and that is not i have never been able to disprove that theory other than the fact that sure. the other share something with yeah go scott ahead. and protect me and i'll tell you what if i'm inaccurate in any way mm -hmm. you can publicly say this guy was putting out this info what i'm about to tell you is the absolute truth you ready go john john brennan was in the private sector Okay. And by the way, a lot of this stuff was glean. That's why I say the most beautiful experience was being, uh, the worst thing they ever did was put an investigative journalist behind bars for 619 days with all the discovery. Okay. Nice. Uh, because I figured things out and this is what we exposed. And what I'm about to tell you, you can go cross check me right away in Fort Washington, Maryland. Okay. Where that system started. I don't know, but it's in Fort Washington, Maryland right now. John Brennan went from CIA station chief in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Um, and he went into the private sector. I don't know if you know what he did in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. We can come back to that in a second. But he formed a company called um, the Analysis uh, Corporation, PAC, right? Um, Analysis Corporation. I think it was around two mid two thousands. Uh, he went uh, into the private sector and he built this system 
that is now housed in Fort Washington, Maryland, and it is a separate parallel supercomputer system equivalent to what the NSA capabilities have. It's just a step, separate system, except the NSA is restricted constitutionally, right? Right. And it was too cumbersome for them to go to GCHQ and have them spy on us, and then, you know, you got the five eyes exchanging info. They wanted to be able to do that. And the way they did it was to set up that system with, you know, um, uh, 702 query capabilities. I don't know if you know what that means, but the, the most sophisticated surveillance technology with supercomputing power uh, and AI, and it's in Fort Washington, Maryland. John Brennan was in charge of it, and he was there from 2000, you know, mid-2000s to about 2009, 10 or so, and then he got promoted to CIA director. Uh, but that system uh, is what was in effect. Uh, essentially, they've got those bots and, you know, AI technology. They were in the comment threads. They were doing all that stuff. Um, and Obama himself uh, was behind it, and he had a terminal accessing the system to target, you know, 30-plus million American patriots. He had a terminal in the White House. John Brennan was in the private sector, and James Comey also at the same time was at Lockheed Martin in the private sector uh, running their information warfare operations as their senior counsel. Um, but both of these guys designed the system. It's still, uh, it's, it's still fully active right now. As a matter of fact, John Brennan and James Clapper have been assigned to a team to ward off any disinformation you know, for the 2024 election. And they're run. They're still running that system out of Fort Washington, Maryland. That's incredible. I'm not. I'm not surprised at all. I mean, this is. Uh, I they I, have contractors that. I'm sorry. I wanted to emphasize one point. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Oh, please. They did this, and this is what we discovered in our cases, is when you're deemed to be a domestic terrorist, and you have that designation. They have these subcontractors. They have contractors, civilians, that have the authority to go in and do. You know do surveillance work, um, just as long as they have the illegal authority. If you're, you know, surveilling a domestic terrorist, um, you have access to the most powerful surveillance technology on planet Earth to go get designed to go get bad guys overseas, but they were using it against Americans. Yeah, it's, people have no idea how bad this military-industrial complex is. I mean, if you spend any time in that era, area, you start to really real, realize just how deep that cancer is in our country it's huge it's massive now you have been able to expose a lot of this and has that been things that have been part of your ongoing truth fight or is it also part of your legal battles to try to bring them to accountability that way well it, you know losing 619 days myself personally um hey hmm. you can't ever get that back uh, although I can say, oh, I learned a lot, you know, well, I, I could, you know, kick and scream all I want. You know, I lost 619 days of, you know, of my life for my family. Time you can never recover. Uh, they have to pay for that. Um, but all of our indictments are going to be overturned. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned that earlier. But as a result of these revelations here in the past couple months, all the criminal indictments are going to overturn, are going to be overturned. And we're going to be paid uh, on a per day basis for wrongful incarceration. So, uh, I've gleaned a lot of information. We're going to get paid. 
they, they, they've been fully, fully exposed. But here's the bottom line, um, is that what we realize now through this thing where you normally, you know, you're compartmentalized. I mean, a lot of these people are. Um, they don't know what they're doing is not just unconstitutional. I mean, it is the wor- using the intel services to target political opponents. It's just the worst thing that could ever happen to our country. And it's been going on, you know, and as a member of independent media, you know, before I got involved in this, I was exposing you know, stories about 9-11, Benghazi, uh, Osama bin Laden, all that stuff. And they got pretty upset by what I was exposing before. As a matter of fact, I, I reported on January 26th at 10 a.m. that the reason why they had military force out there in southeastern Oregon is because Uranium One was out there. And I was the second reporter to report on Hillary Clinton taking $140 million to the Clinton Foundation. That was at 10 a.m. to millions of people on an audio broadcast. Well, 10 hours later, I was in shackles. Loretta Lynch signed off on my arrest warrant, you know, and, and, and then exposing how they go after us patriots or their political opponents and using the full force of the government to do it. Guess what else I discovered? Uh, when, when you get witness testimony that they can't have any Christians on the investigation team, that they've got black books, kill books, they've got, there's a bunch of sexual deviants in the SES services at the highest levels of federal law enforcement that are not just evildoers or one-off, you know, rogue operators. This is almost a satanic cult that is at the upper echelon of the highest levels of our federal law enforcement. They all protect each other. So they're all a bunch of end breeds, and you have to have collateral hanging over your, your head in order to be brought up. It's cronyism. It, 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 it is, is very, very, there are a bunch of immoral non-Christians uh, that make sure that they guard and protect their, their, their evil deeds. Um, by keeping the Christians out. And thankfully, we had one. His name is Larry Wooten. He's a Christian guy, and he just not would, sta- would not stand for such things and, and exposed it. I believe we have patriots on the inside to expose it, but this is something that is much more beyond criminality. It's, uh, it's satanically rooted, and it also involves you know non-governmental entities as well. 100%. Mm-hmm. What... Um are you seeing in this whole issue of what's coming across the border? I think that, you know, we start to look at this at the core of this. You know, I think we have two major issues, three major issues. Actually, we have replacement strategy. We have the human sex trafficking and child sex trafficking piece. And then we have the actual placement of really bad people within our culture. What's your thoughts on those? Uh, Have you ever, um, have you ever heard of the FBI agent that infiltrated, um, his name is Larry Grathwell, he infiltrated the Weather Underground? Oh, yeah, it's epic, and it's his, his testimony on that is epic. I mean, that literally, epic. That, yeah. Yeah, and I'm in Cincinnati, so I, I know his family and um, have access to some of his files, too, by the way, um, uh, coincidentally. But Larry Grathwell was in the inner circles, in the living room of Bill Ayers, and these are some of the most educated, you know, Columbia, Harvard graduate, so on and so forth. These people for decades, um, these, these, they're beyond progressives, by the way. Um, they have been planning 
uh, for this, to, for capturing this elite capture program, uh, but to overthrow the United States of, of America, to overthrow our government. And it would take them decades to demonize the patriots that would stand in their way. That's why they've been working really hard on operations like Operation PatCon and, you know, the Oklahoma City bombing, this effort to demonize anybody, you know, that supports the Second Amendment, so on and so forth. Um, but but what, 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 what is happening right now is the overthrow of the United States of America. It's well, very well documented. They've set out to do this. They're very, very smart, and they've used technocracy. Um, they've used the full force of the government. They've taken over every major institution that we've always respected, like the FBI. They used to go after communists, and now they are. You know, so they've, they've set out in the Communist Manifesto. They said they were going to do to the FBI what they've done to the FBI, to where they no longer have any credibility, and they're going to just basically shut them down as the premier law enforcement agency. They're not the premier law enforcement agency right now. So these people that set out to do this have have succeeded. So what is happening with the border? It's one more element of the destruction of the United States of America. Uh, you know, just the destabilizing effect of getting 10 million people into the country and scattering them throughout. I will say this. I've, uh, you know who Michael Yan is? Oh, yeah, we're good friends. Yeah, I talked to, you talked to Michael Yan. I talked to Ann Vanderstale and Laura Loomer. They're down in the Daring Gap right now. I mean, they're they're literally talking to and observing very well-organized CCP invaders. <laughs> Great communications networks. They hand them all phones. They've got full operational control over them. Well, all these people are now in the interior. And I think that when they want to, that they can go from this, you know, fifth-generational style warfare uh, to go kinetic, you know. Just they've got full operational control. It's just a matter of when they're going to do it. Um, I, I think this border invasion has been to infiltrate and, and to distribute in, into the interior um, all of their, their, their cells to be activated. And it could happen at any moment. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, have you talked to, uh, do you know Colonel Pete Chambers, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Pete Chambers, Special Forces? I do, yeah. Yeah, I mean, good friend of mine. And so, matter of fact, oh. we talked earlier today. Um, I mean, this is this is a very serious element. And the, again, we're kind of getting back to who's going to who's going to stand and ultimately this fight, which I find very interesting. And I don't know what you're in, encountering, but in the circles of the people I've run with and then the expanded circles that God's put in my heart and in, put into this ministry and everything else, these people continuing to be called to this point by God is that this is a much, you already said it, this is not a really a, as much a fight of the flesh as it is definitely a fight of the spirit. Um, and we are dealing with a true demonic force that is, as I say it all the time, if if you don't think ch murdering and mutilating and raping and pillaging children gives you power, look currently who has control of the institutions because that's where they gain this crazy power that unfortunately people too willfully just give into. And it's a combination of issues, propaganda, dumbing down in the education system, the overtaxing of the economy that wears a family down, breaking of the economy, getting, to, I mean, taking a route back to the Kinsey Institute, which is no small thing, and trying to look at the whole war we've had on the family. And that's, these are 
pretty critical times. I mean, we are, we're at a point of kind of gut check in a nation to say, like, who's going to be a patriot right now? Yeah, that incremental uh, uh, moral degradation, psychological uh, deflation. You know, uh, I, I use the analogy. Um, let's say we're all a bunch of football players. We're patriotic. We put on our jerseys. We practice like crazy. You know, right guard, pull right. You know, fullback, head down, boom, right. You've got play over and over again. You train for strength. And you're ready to play the game. And we're good at this. You want to mess with us? We'll come kick your butt out in the football field, right? We mm -hmm. will do it. We've trained. We're healthy. We're, we're well organized. You can't defeat us. And had we ever considered the fact that the opposition, all they had to do was to get us all sick and kill half of us. Right in the middle of the game, we just drop dead. They're, they're, they're preparing for famine. They're cutting off our food supply. Who would have ever thought that? The American Patriot, 100 million of them with 400 million guns and lots of ammunition. What would have to happen after about 30 days of not having any food? And you're absolutely depleted. You have no energy, supply chains messed up. Well, they've taken out the top 500 food processing plants. They're preparing for famine. What better way to disarm the American populace that's ready to go out on the field and get in the game than to starve them? They have no energy at halftime, right? I agree. We have to get back to a decentralized model, really almost a colonial model. One of the mm -hmm. things that God put in my heart, and it's coming up on four years now, we've been talking about on this platform constantly. It's what we call county by county, which is, it really begins yeah. with the principle of, you know, in the home and where we begin with home churches, homeschooling, home gardens, what we call Patriot Gardens, a right oh, yeah. work, working for yourself, breaking from the medical institution. So it's health and wellness, informed action, which includes common law and biblical studies. And then you have stewardship and conservation. So these seven pillars. And it's been, I would say it's been a far greater success than I ever imagined because it's not a program. It's an mm -hmm. architecture of here's some, here's some things to start on and to get yourself going on. And I, and it, to me, that's going to be one of the big pivots yep. is that people are taking accountability and responsibility in their lives. And when they do, and you hit the key thing earlier about getting people off the land, that is really the center point of most everything they're doing is trying to break people's tie to the land. That's agenda 2030. That's what was oh, yeah. happening to the Bundys. It's what happens mm -hmm. with Waco and the Davidians. It's what happens in Ruby Ridge. I mean, it's all the same thing, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that, that principle that you just described, as a matter of fact, if everyone understood what was being done to them psychologically, and you found out that the, the CCP military has been slow cooking us psychologically online to accept defeat, to just demoralize us, to pull the rug out from under us. They've been slow cooking us to get to that point. And then there'll be an event that they'll be able to just boop, just push us right over the edge. Well, guess what? I suggest right now, based on what I know about what they're doing, you don't need to see it. You don't need to feel it. Just know that it's being done. Uh, the best way to oppose it is everything they say, do the opposite. If they say go this way, run the opposite direction. If they say come together because you need to fight for the Bundys, uh, don't do that. It's actually you're being pulled in to a honeypot. Not saying don't stand in defense of our neighbors, right? Stick close. Go belly butt to belly butt within your zip code. Defend your neighbor to your left and your right. You know, 
don't, don't respond emotionally to a national call out to do X, Y, Z because it's all manufactured. Do the opposite of what the establishment's telling you what to do and get with people that are like-minded that want to protect your household, your neighborhood, your street, your zip code, and your county. 3,143 counties, build it. Build your strength at the local level. Get with human beings and do the opposite of what the establishment wants you to do. You and I say the exact same things. In fact, it's pretty simple because it's when we get back to the cult that runs this, everything about the cult is an inversion. So their worship is based on an inversion to everything biblical and everything God. So And it permeates across the entire spectrum of what they work on. So they, they want to invert everything and turn upside down. They want a boy to be a girl. They want left to be right. They want blue to be white. I mean, everything about them is to twist this in such a way. I mean, what is it, Clapper, I think, that wrote, that stated under Reagan, we'll know when we have succeeded when people can't tell good from bad and left from right. Right. So we, we're dealing with a deeply embedded and unfortunately very incestuous type of thinking that it permeates in D.C. because they build this cult. And it, mm-hmm. and it, it's good. There's some of these people, I wouldn't say start out being bad. They become bad. It's just like talking right now to a Border Patrol person, and you're saying, why aren't you stop doing your job? And they're like, because I've been given orders not to do it. And it's like, but you, your obedience is to the Constitution. And there's just this cognitive dissonance, and it comes from the fact that it's like, yeah, but the union told me, or my, my boss told me, or I'm going to get a bad rating, or I'm not going to get my promotion, or I'm not going to have my pension. It's like, you're not going to have any of that. If you continue to, and to use your term, you continue to walk this slow cooking that's happening to you because in the end, they're just going to line you up on the wall first because you're the useful idiot that got them success. That's how they are, right? Yeah, and as a matter of fact, how many of them? Let's just, we we can, us like-minded, godly patriots, right, that that know what's happening. Uh, we're not the most important people that need to be awakened because we're, we're already awake to it. The most important thing we can do is to awaken those that are on the other side that are that are unwittingly doing the bidding of satan himself through that deception you don't there's people that are doing very bad things and they just think well you know i'm just going along to get along and i'll turn a blind eye to it but you're literally unwittingly doing something and, and, and if you don't recognize you're either on team jesus or team satan if you don't recognize that that then the deception, okay, is in full force and effect upon you. You're a minion, and you don't even know you've been minionized. And when you awaken to it, as Yuri Bezmanov said, you'll be the first one to get the bullet in the back of the head. The Bundys, yourself, all stood for a way of free thinking. And if there's one thing we can really point out, it is the fact that there was free thinking among the what we would say is even common sense thinking, which unfortunately is not so common, not to repeat a cliche, but it's, there's a truth to that. In your opinion, what has allowed that to happen while others have so willfully been brought into the fold of the matrix and being programmed so deeply that they can hardly see their nose for the light of day? You know what? If you look at the core group, like I met Clive and Bundy, he was, uh, I just recently got married. Deb Santilli, my co-host, who I've been with. He, he, Clive Bundy was my best man for a very good reason. And I don't just say this just for 
you know, I kept it quiet for a while because he taught me some things that regardless of what all these evildoers did, uh, one thing that remained steadfast among a small group of patriots was our fearlessness. Well, we're prepared to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil because we know he's with us. We stand up for our God-given rights, and we don't have to go shoot anybody to do that. We just need to say, you know, we're prepared to die. You can point a gun at us, right, meaning we're prepared to die because you want to shoot us, but that's not, that's not going to cause us to back down. So you can run an influence operation all you want. You can deceive all these other people that are being lured in, but the bottom line is we all share one thing in common. We love our freedom, and we love our founding and why we were founded those of us that understand it, to protect our God-given rights. We tell you and the federal government what we want you to do. Your power is delegated to you. And when you abuse that, uh, we're just going to ignore you. When you overreach, we don't even look at it. We're just going to go back to our counties and our states and respect our sovereignty, and hopefully you'll get it right. Otherwise, we'll build a wall turn off your water, electricity, and just ignore you in your 10 square miles. You'll be rendered useless. And our Constitution is set up that way, that if they become rogue and they want to lord over us, we could easily just say, sorry, we're, we're not going your direction. We're going to live in peace here. Um, hopefully, you'll catch up to us. One of the most abhorrent effects of this propaganda for me that when we see this is when we start looking at the destruction of the family. We have literally gone from being a morally righteous nation, which I would take up to about 1945. And then just a lot of the research I've been putting together, we're working on a small, on a documentary right now on the family, the family is everything concept, which is the war on family, which really kicks off in about 1947 officially with the Kinsey Institute. But we've gone from those places to the Kinsey Institute, to the destruction of family values, to literally today, and you live in a state where they have, fortunately, your Republicans came together and stopped some of this. But you, we are living in a st state today where we're trying to Main Street Mamba and, and pedophilia. And we're walking, watching parents walk their kids into the altar of ball to have their genitals removed and turned into another sex. I mean, this is the, the level of mental destruction and mental disease that has infected our nation. And Ohio is really, uh, Ohio and Oregon, it's interesting because we both live in two states that are like right at the forefront of killing kids in a, in the most horrific way. What are you seeing? Are you seeing a change in this? Or are you seeing an awakening? Or are you seeing just a continued walking into the, in the pits of the lake of fire of these people? You know, I, uh, when we say it's satanically rooted, okay, mm -hmm. I'm going to throw some stuff out. It's not too much for everyone to absorb because once I discovered the truth, Okay, that there was an entity that began when Frederick Douglass, as an individual, said, I'm not into this whole slavery thing, and in so many words. And he spun away, and the plantation couldn't keep him. And he said, as an individual man, right, uh, I, 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 I can prosper. I, I, I can break away from the slavery thing. Well, the progressives couldn't have that. The post-Civil War abolitionist movement, along with... And these people can't have an individual breaking away. They want you worshiping the God of the government and the environment, of course. Um, do you know who Alice Bailey is? No, I don't, actually. I probably should. And every, everyone can go look this up. The United Nations, 
okay, and right around 1947 or so, the Lucius Trust and Alice Bailey, a Satanist, uh, when they put together their satanic Luciferian uh, agenda through the United Nations. Go look up Lucius Trust. It's very real. <laughs> they worship Lucifer. Alice Bailey is a, a Luciferian. Well, I know the Lucius Trust. I didn't put the name with me. Yeah, keep going. This is good. Yeah, Alice yeah. Bailey. Right around 1947 that you said, right? Mm -hmm. Now, there's uh, another guy named Charles Miriam. You probably have never heard that name. But go look him up. From the He died 71 years ago. Uh, he was the one that founded this methodology. It's a political science that all of the communists that we call them, like Obama, Clinton, all of them, right? They literally worship this guy. And their methodology in a very satanic, deceptive fashion is to just cause conflict, to get the communists to com conflict with the capitalists, to get the blacks with the whites to do that. And through that, we'll synthesize an order where they're at the podium offering the solution. It's like the Hegelian dialectic. But that scientific, you know, that political scientific method was crafted by a brilliant political scientist named Charles Merriam out of the University of Chicago. Uh, Alice Bailey, it's all satanically rooted, but very, very effective. And we're actually living through it. It's not the communists that are in charge. It's actually a secret entity. Um, the secret shadow government are these post-Civil War abolitionists. Uh, that are going to create you know, all the false flag events, all the conflict, the you know pitting against the you know the blacks against the whites, destroy the family, to cause us to be frustrated by you know an entity that says oh we should accept you know female you know, mutilation you know in the Islamic movement they they pit the you know the Islamists against uh, the rest of the world. Um, they they are the ones that cause all of the conflicts because. What is synthesized out of that, uh, they're in charge. They get their power and derive it on the other side of resolving the conflict. Yeah, and so it's it's a horrific the way this is playing out. And it's horrific. And we're right in the middle of it. This isn't some like historical, you know, thing that we're gonna go look up and know our history. No, this this it, knowing where it originated from will help you understand what we're immersed in. We're right in the middle of it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. This is a this this war in, in demonic realm is interesting. This gets into the place of deliverance and literally in the sense of casting out demons. I mean, Jesus did this. It's amazing mm -hmm. to me in the modern church how that concept is so many just we don't even want to come near it, and yet it is fundamentally in Scripture, and it's part of the challenge we're facing now because we're we're not arming our fellow Christians enough for this type of warfare. I just, I think that this dumbing down and in fact, it's Paul Harvey did this great piece. I think it was 1968 or 1960 where he talked about if I was the devil, I'm sure you've heard that one, the great audio piece. And he just walks through where you just template that to today. And that's exactly where we are. I mean, the end of the day, I would tell you that I don't exist. And that's pretty much where we've arrived. And we have a pivot now of, where there is an, an acceptance of these things being a, a problem of humanity. It's the human and humanist perspective, not a influence of the demonic 
What, what's your mm -hmm. thoughts there? I uh, am going to, I'm responding uh, internally very emotionally. Sometimes I yell, I'm Italian, throw my hands out. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to very calmly <laughs> describe uh, what I believe in that uh, uh, just by describing my own. And I think you can relate to this. The, 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 the forces of evil here on planet Earth that Satan has brought upon us and his, his minions using all that. We're completely surrounded. Uh, to mention Jesus, you know, we're being persecuted. But every single day, if I don't, within a couple of hours, if I don't, if I don't pray to fill my Holy Spirit, you know, fill my, my soul with the Holy Spirit and push out any forces that would ever, you know, try to penetrate. And he's always trying to penetrate. If you let your vulnerabilities down, he, he, he will enter. If, right? He will. If you leave one cranny, one nook of your soul exposed, he will fill it. And I have to pray with all of the power that I have in my soul and cash in on those tokens, the call upon the Holy Spirit to just fill my soul and push out all the evil. Now, can you imagine if I didn't have God as strong in my soul and my life? Can you imagine those that don't have God in their life? They're, they're literally captured. They're, they're captured. They're, they're just walking around almost zombified spiritually. We, we, we have to call upon God. We need his strength. And even then, it's a, you know, Satan is very powerful here on earth, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He is very powerful. He's, and it's, it's, the, it's the sort of, I think there's a casualness to accepting the, the ability of, of being what you just said. If our armor's not up, how quickly it can infect, right? Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a big deal. January 6th. And I say this because this ties right into your own experience. I mean, everything that you went through with the Bundys, it's just, it's another whole strategy of infiltration and creating a false flag event and rounding up patriots. Now, oh, yeah. I'm going to ask, so these are questions that I put forth with January 6th. And, and this is why, and to be honest with you, I haven't covered January 6th heavily. And part of it is, is I don't know how deep this infiltration goes. So let me just carry with this a minute. There is no question in my mind, none whatsoever. We have some very significant patriots that are being held. The problem I keep having, and I want you to talk to this as well from your 600 plus days in jail, is that we keep getting people having cell phones inside these jails, telling us stories, taking pictures. And this does not resonate with my experience. And I'm the reason I say this is... There's one group that is no unquestionably being held. But then I'm asking my question of like, who's getting the cell phones? How are they getting them in there? And how is this not happening? How is it happening that they're able to document or even send out these things without being thrown in the hole? And so my yeah, thing, yeah. When you get caught, you can do it, sure. Right. But I can't continue to do it. <laughs> but there's no way. Right. So, I mean, this the problem I have with some of this is I, I see that the operation is continuing with the orchestration of this. And I don't, and it's not that I don't, again, I keep going back to this. There's no question that there's patriots being held, but I get this impression yeah. in terms of an influence operation that this is being the fan, fan, the flames of agitation are being used to tell these stories from inside to keep people at odds from one another, constantly, constantly doing this to keep the you deserve it, you don't deserve it fight going on. And 
obscuring the truth of what's really there, which is was a major op. And there's nothing better than to plant your own people inside the story and to continue to perpetuate that story as long as you can. I don't know your thoughts on this. I, not just thoughts. I actually experienced uh, and watched. Uh, I mean, it is so, so nefarious. Can you imagine the federal government having on the defense teams uh, their own operatives? Like pretending to be, you know, conservative patriots, but uh, uh, their objective is to sabotage the case. And they're surveilling attorney-client communication. They're attorneys that you think that are on your side are doing a great job to only in the end their objective is to throw the case is to throw the case to suppress the truth to not let certain information get into the docket uh their operatives are are working on our side so uh, is it beyond them to infiltrate within the ranks well it's easy you know how because you go to somebody and say you got 30 years hanging over your head or you can shut your mouth and do the following. And based on how well you perform, we're going to be really lenient on you. You're going to be walking out the door. Or you, you go to jail for 30 years. Well, if you say that to 100 guys, how many of them do you think are going to take becoming an operative? How many of them do you think will will roll of 100? Large percentage of them. Large percentage, yeah. A large percentage don't have the... The, the the psychosis that I did when I was offered a misdemeanor and I, you know, in very colorful language, asked my attorney to tell him to go, you know, piss off. I won't take a parking ticket. I'm going to expose you. And I turned down a misdemeanor. Not very many people are, are, are that unreasonable. They're not. True. Uh, they have families and they, they got to get out. They need to leave. So they, you know, and you can't really blame. I, I say you can't blame them. I, I don't, I don't, I believe that it's a sin to bear false witness. You know, and if they can justify their actions by saying, well, I'm not bearing false witness and I'm not really going to do any harm. I'm just going to cause a little bit of chaos internally. That's all they're asking me to do. You know, it's uh, it's it's a terrible, terrible way. But the possibility you just described something that's not only very possible. I mean, I've I've watched it happen even among the patriot groups on the outside that are fundraising. Mm -hmm. I, I, they're, they're literally taking money off the table and funneling it to, in the opposite direction where yeah. everyone thinks it's going. Can I, you imagine that? One of the most obvious and transparent of those was George Soros investing in gun manufacturers and then all obama had to do was say we're going to do some gun legislation you have sales of guns going off the top and off off the peak and soros is making bank on his investments oh yeah that, that's trackable yeah so we're dealing with a level of it all comes down i mean so much of this comes down to a uniparty model when people think that they're one side or the other is going to save them but we're being shaped by a uniparty that has two faces that plays each other. I mean, I've said for a lot of years now that your most dangerous party and most evil parties are the Republicans, not the Democrats. Because the Democrats are that clown in the front that you look at and you go, okay, you're a clown. And they're the ones pouring out of the Volkswagen, 20 of them out of a Volkswagen. And, and you I, I know hope I've been able. Mm -hmm. I hope I've been able to make a case. I'm sorry to interrupt your flow. Um, Scott, I really want to overemphasize this point. When I was sitting in the courtroom, in a federal courtroom, 
Mm-hmm. And the U.S. government is admitting in the open court that they wanted to protect the Facebook data and all the other data that they collected, you know, as part of the operation. Um, and they were using a technology uh, that was developed by Palantir, a CIA-funded um, intelligence software program. Mm-hmm. It's legal intelligence software. Our opposition right now, if you look at the lawfare, if you look at the way they're running the government, how all the evildoers are, are attacking their political opponents. Um, they're telling us to stay away from AI. It's evil. Don't go near it. Don't, because you'll, if we conservatives realize how powerful that technology is and it's being used against us, right now they're using AI software in the lawfare realm. They're using it in law enforcement. They're using it to attack their political opponents. They have a supercomputer that tells them, you know, if this happens, then do this. They, every single scenario, they have a computer that tells them, you know, if this happens, do this. So human beings are just following the orders of a stupid computer. And, it's, and I'm not too far from the truth. It was actually deployed against us. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with a program called Hootsuite? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a social media. Yeah, it's, it was actually developed for information operations and funded through Incutel. That's hilarious. Are you kidding me? No, not. That's, that's like I've used that software. It's incredibly powerful. And that was it, a system it, developed specifically to influence whole nations. I was involved with or as an early adopter of Twitter. Okay, I used Hootsuite. I was ranked among the top 30. Remember when the first green revolution took place in Iran? Mm-hmm. Remember when Neda, her name was Neda, she was shot and killed in the streets of, uh, of Tehran? Yes. The State Department had us, okay, this is Hootsuite and Twitter, had us providing proxies to all of the revolutionaries on the ground. State Department did. Hillary Clinton's. Right? And they said, hey, we, these are freedom fighters. We need to get information to them. And guess why they did it? They wanted to build a pictorial of who's connected to who. That way they could cut them off and kill them without turning off the Internet. And the U.S. State Department was in charge of fueling, you know, delivering proxies to the revolutionaries that they were going to cut off and kill. And I watched Nana get shot and killed, and I was providing proxies to her and her fellow revolutionaries that all got shot and killed because they were tracking their uh, their their uh, geo coordinates and their their proxies. And Hootsuite was part of that thing too. Wow, I never knew that they were in Qtel. Oh yeah. Hootsuite was is so powerful because and why, why this becomes so important is kind of back to this whole perception and, and the idea of influence. Mm-hmm. Anymore, if somebody tweets something, everybody legitimately, they'll legitimize it by saying such and such tweeted. So let's just say Pete Santilli, well, I guess it's X. I don't know what we call it anymore with X. I mean, do you X something? I don't know what it is. But anyway, um, when Pete Santilli tweets something, that's you. That's Pete Santilli. You're tweeting something. What they don't understand, what people aren't understanding is if I can get control of you, your account, and and this can be run by AI now, but it, it, through Hootsuite as a management tool, I oh, yeah. can put 30, 50 different 
different uh, accounts on my desktop. Right. And so I can have, I can be running you. I could be running President Obama. I could be running Joe Biden. I could be running Trump if I have their accounts. And it's all going to be with pre-shaped messages that are developed, timed to be released. Right. That's right. And so it creates the social effect that there's really a conversation going on when it's not that conversation at all. That's right. So when we had um, the event, I Can't Breathe in in Minneapolis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Floyd, whatever his name is. Yeah, Floyd. Yeah. I was doing a bunch of tracking on this on Twitter. And what's interesting is there started to be some critical spelling errors come up. Dumb spelling errors, but they were repeating off of different accounts. And what was happening is somebody was putting this into some function of an AI. And it was replicating, which led me to kind of the rabbit hole of this company that McChrystal became part of. You are hilarious. Go ahead. And it's, he was, as best I could tell, his company was involved in trying to create this social issue of Floyd of the I can't breathe thing, which was completely manufactured. There was there was none of that actually happening on the in, with real people on the media. All it was doing was fanning the flames of hate yeah. as an influence program. And it was coming from different channels. You had congressmen st- accounts that were being run by the same system. And the thing is you would see like a congressman and you'd see some police officer and they would say similar things, but the spellings of spelling errors would be exactly the same. It's, it was called Defeat Disinfo. Yes. Um, and that system he was tapping into, and I know this, by the way, um, uh, it was uh, confirmed, well, I say confirmed to me. Actually, the only thing that could be said to me by somebody that was read into it was a uh, Air Force uh, uh, colonel retired, and he said, uh, don't speak of Fort Washington, Maryland. But I have a whistleblower that designed the system at Fort Washington, Maryland. And he's been trying to get the truth out. But that system is in Fort Washington, Maryland. The McChrystal, Clapper, Comey, Brennan, Obama, all of them have been using and weaponizing against the American people. And there's one person that's been in the federal court system trying to have the state secrets privilege removed because you can't put a state secrets privilege on crimes against the United States of America. So they're having to navigate through that because, of course, you don't want to reveal our sources and methods for how we go after the bad guys, right? Right. But they're using it against the American people. And you just described what McChrystal had developed overseas in Afghanistan. That Remember Michael Hastings? Oh, yeah, very much. You do? Yeah, he was the, he was the writer for, uh, for Rolling Stone, Rolling Stone they, they, which was all a setup as far as I'm analysis, but keep going. I'm talk, talking about it. But I'm understanding that he was going to reveal some stuff, and he, in fact, did. He shared it with a couple of FBI agents, um, and that's when they, you know, they, they took him out. He was going to, uh, that was part of some of the stuff he was going to expose was what McChrystal was involved in with their, what is it, the influence operations. McChrystal, this, that whole thing smells. I was actually working in and around his office at that time in different ways. And there is, they had all the media mapped out and they had them mapped out and prioritized by the type of messages that they would tell. And it was interesting in it, this, that 
why I go to this is that they knew very well who the center of gravity was for influence for each age group. So Rolling Stone to get that, Michael Hastings to get that release that happened when they got held over in Germany and supposedly McChrystal's guys opened their mouth and started blabbing at a bar after having a bunch of drinks. Mm. To this day doesn't hold because I know the loyalty of his team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And on top of that, they knew what Hastings would write. He was already profiled. And they had they him profiled. Feeding him info, right? What's that? They were probably feeding him. Oh, absolutely. But they're doing it under the guise of being drunk, so they have the excuse to get out. Yeah. Wow. And and, <laughs> and so I don't know exactly where all this ends up. I mean, I don't know what the intent was, but there was a there was seemed to be a fight. And there's some people that say that McChrystal did this to try to protect himself from being the fall guy of Afghanistan, which may have been the case. I do think he had some presidential aspirations, and I think that that was part of the maneuverings. And I think that if you keep, if we dig far enough, you'll probably find an agency link in there somewhere. But it's it's pretty dark in that whole thing. And and he went against his positioning publicly was he went against Obama, and then was called up to. You know, into London, and it was put on board Air Force One and fired, supposedly. Um, but I will tell you that the idea that somehow Hastings violated, you know, like he he was the one, which was kind of the narrative, Hastings betrayed a general and he's hurt, he crashed Mitch Crystal. I have never been able to buy that story because I know what detail they all had of every single media group and they how well they had them profiled to know even what they expected them to write because that right. came out of Iraq. And mm -hmm. McChrystal was able to pre-write stories. And when they would do operations, they would pre-write stories, three of them, success, failure, or no, no outcome. And the reason these were important is, they, is this was this way of, of having rapid media operations. They weren't untruthful, but they would pre-write the stories on an operation. So mm -hmm. if they're going after somebody in, you know, some bad guy on the, on the deck of cards, and if the operation was successful, they just had to fill in the blanks. He, they were already pre-approved by McChrystal and fired out on the airways. So they could, the t time to target on your medium was exceedingly fast. And it kept ahead of counter-narratives. I mean, the principal issue of any sort of information war is first out wins, regardless of truth. Mm -hmm. Mm. And so this, when you start to look at that and understand how well you could understand media to be able to write those narratives and pre-position them, and then later be able to profile those same people, the same media organizations in Afghanistan. I mean, that was happening. It, ha it happens all the time. It's standard practice now for public affairs officers. I mean, yeah. And setting aside Hastings and knowing what McChrystal was doing overseas on the battlefield, right? And, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, obviously our foreign enemies. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say the main thing that people can extract from this conversation that we've had is that technology and war strategy and, and those tactics to go get bad guys uh, has been weaponized against the American people, and they have no idea. Yeah, I think that's the core of this, is it's there's a threat always to the republic. The problem is that the threat got inside of our government. Yep. And the tools that were used to develop and to, to really fight true evil mm -hmm. and 
that always gets in at this point in time, all of that gets fairly nefarious because we know how much of evil has manipulated wars itself. So that's another issue. But altogether, when you look at the tools that were usually developed to fight evil, when you start to close down wars, the military industrial complex is hungry. It's a beast that needs to be fed. So it has to find its next level of evil. And it's, Napolitano set the stage. I mean, we knew that when they established that the greatest threat to American security was going to be the veteran and the war veteran. So when you start doing that and you start to understand what they're doing here, mm-hmm. we're starting to see that they're preparing to use the tools, which they ended up doing, against the Americans, the American patriot, because to do otherwise means that they didn't have business. It is a function of dollars at the end of the day. Palantir is a great example. And even more disturbing is that Palantir was contracted during COVID to do contact tracing. That was all part of their network analysis tools that they had deployed all over Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh-huh. And all of that was developed for a military application that now comes back home to now become a part of the security state, right? So, so, you know, I, I was in aviation ordinance in the military. You know, I had a top secret security clearance, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't ground side. I wasn't military intel. I wasn't special operations or anything like that. And everything that I've had a discussion with you about is just open source intelligence gathering and through my legal cases, obviously. Um, how, how, do you, how do you think I've done developing an understanding of what's upon us? I think you're dead on. And, and this is what you just said, which is very interesting, just so I highlight this. Yes, I had a top secret clearance. I think I used it one time. Mm-hmm. Everything I did was open source. And, mm-hmm. I, and it would to also, because with that, the thing about the failure when you get into top secret anything is what they call attribution, which is who did it, Right. So if you're relying on some sort of secret spook stuff and your attribution ends up blowing up your face because they start to realize that you did something to them, that's a whole nightmare of legal and it's a whole nightmare of credibility with your with your allied forces. Mm-hmm. When you're dealing with open source information, it doesn't matter because you're just using facts and truth. That's the power of this whole patriot movement, which the deep state and what we call the deep state now can't handle because their secrets don't hold. They can't manipulate things because you just present them with facts and truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. And so when you understand their weakness, which their weakness is compartmentalization and, and, and secrecy, then it becomes fairly easy to start tearing them apart because what you have to do is just start going after key nodes with truth and they can't mm-hmm. defend it unless they start to lie more. And then they get caught in their own lie. It's, it's like they say, the crime is not the crime. The, the greatest, the way you catch the criminal is their cover-up, right? Yeah, that's right. And those patriots that have been compartmentalized, uh, when stuff makes it you know, out into the open realm, they look at it and say, oh, not just no, but a heck no. What was I part of? You know, like with January 6th, that's, you know, they, they do benefit from, the amount of time it takes to, you know, navigate through the, I look at it, it took us 10 years to expose this stuff and it does get exposed, but they, they benefit from the luxury of time. It takes a long time to unpack this stuff. Um, but you know what, when Jesus walked the earth, he went up against the Roman empire. That was the ultimate government overreach, wasn't it? You know, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And it's and, power and of it's stood the, with the people, uh, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, power of one. 
Yeah. The, the couple of the stories I love biblically, and I, we can kind of maybe bring this all around with this yeah, sort sure. of perspective. I think that, you know, I always talk about this because this is, I relate to this. He found so much time. He found his time to sit with taxpayers or tax collectors and prostitutes mm-hmm. because he's listening. And those are the most hated people in society one way or another. But it, there's a certain ground truth that they've gained about life by virtue of being on the bottom. You have the other great story is him sitting. I mean, there's many, but these are some of my favorite between the accusers and the adulteress. And literally closing the questions of truth to each of them to look at their heart and disperses the accusers and then goes to the adulteress and says, where are your accusers? And she says, they're not here, my Lord. And then he says to her pre-sacrifice cross, go and sin no more. Unbelievable words. Mm-hmm. When you think about that. Yeah. You know, and, uh, we, yeah, you know, imagine when we're, when we're born in our purest, you know, form and, you know, God, when, when God creates us, uh, and from that moment our, our you know, uh, uh, Satan attempts to just co-opt and and subvert and 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 when you were mentioning that you know that Jesus will sit down with the sinners because he he recognizes you know when they first got here they weren't they weren't corrupted uh, right. but you can change your ways repent sin no more go forth so I'm gonna um, this will and this is kind of the big question for you because there's something that impresses me deeply about everything you talk about. And, and the way you run your show and the way you run your life. You were thrown in jail for 600-plus days. You had several months in solitary. There is not any malice, hatred, or anything on your heart. And that's a that speaks not by words as much as it speaks by action, tone, and presence. There's not been a single issue here that has flamed your anger up to suggest that you have some sort of pending anger or un- unfinished business with these people. And I just want you to speak to that because that's inspiring, Pete. I mean, it truly is. It's a powerful position you hold with the way that this state has treated you. And yet you're holding a line. And when I watched you call the White House the other day, and I, I it's kind of just a, kind of the hallmark moment of this. I laugh so hard. I'm like, here's a man that these people have literally railroaded and he has held his line of humor and his wit to outmaneuver them because they are so dumb. So real. And they are just, and he, you're just, you're just bombarding them with truth, pivoting the entire narrative on them, asking to talk to the Secret Service, which was cracking me up. Why? Because, of course, we need security because we're patriots and our taxpayer dollars cover us. You you just hold a great position. So just talk about that because I think that's so inspiring. And I don't think it's you do it by action, but I think it needs to be mentioned because it, it's an inspiring part of your show and your presence. Every single moment that I was in uh, inside, uh, I had a spirit that, you know, we godly, godly souls uh, were inconquerable. You know that. We both know that there's nothing they they could come before us Correct. that could ever break our souls, and I made that known to everybody. All the the uh, corrections officers, you know, I was in Multnomah County, 
I had a Multnomah County Sheriff walk into my cell, just close the door and say, Santelli, I'm a listener of your show. Okay, but I need to have it out with you right now. We're not all bad guys. And I said, wow, that was a pretty powerful moment for me. Hmm. I made friends with the U.S. Marshals, and they came to me. One, one guy got ripped into because he treated me disrespectfully. He came from a different jurisdiction because they needed it for court hearings, you know, to move us in and out. And he disrespected me, and the other Marshals pulled him aside and brought him to tears, and he came and apologized to me because they all knew watching in the courtroom that what was being done to us was very wrong. And I would speak to a corrections officer who would say, you know what, I'm just saying, I'm just doing my job, you know, don't hold it against me. And I'm like, okay, you're doing your job. You're holding a talk show host. <laughs> How do you feel about it? You're making money. You're holding a talk show host <laughs> that was exposing the establishment, pissed them off, and they want to keep me in jail indefinitely. And I said, you're doing your job. Yeah, I'm just doing my job. I said, okay, then I'm not holding you against your will. Yeah, you are. Throw me the keys. Throw me the keys right now. Nice. And the conversations I would have with them and every single person that I interacted with, it gave me at, through the whole process that it takes a very patient, patient, godly soul with knowing that God is on, on your side. And when that miracle came and I walked out the door, um, I was so blessed by the entire experience, everything that I was exposed to, the discernment, the, you know, um, you know, to, to, to receive the word of God, you need to be prepared for it. And, you know, you're not going to fully understand it until you're ready to receive his word. And I really came away when I walked out the door feeling blessed. And I said, from that point forward, I'm going to do everything. I, and I went to work trying to save our country because the same entity that came after us was now trying to take down the, the, you know, the presidency and the U S government. So I truly feel blessed that I've been given a very special set of goggles and a, and a promise that I will never ever go back on. And I, I said, I'm going to use my experience to tell the whole world and to hopefully reach, you know, one person at a time, uh, with, with that message. And it gives me such gratification. There were guys that had red dots on my forehead, you know, and forgive them. They don't know what the hell they're doing. Right. But there's people on the inside that are, that are good godly souls. And we need to just keep, keep at it. Um, and guess what? Uh, Jesus brought down the entire Roman empire. You know, he did, right? There is no governmental force that can Lord over us and conquer us if we come together in his name and fight for eternal life, period. That's what's in me, and it's very real. It's very real. It's inspiring, and I love that response. Thank you, man. That was awesome. Thank you. Pete, where do they find your show? Where do they follow you? Whole thing. My goodness, it's uh, it's been a great conversation. And, yeah. uh, you know, where they can find me is right here throughout this two-hour conversation. I, I, I you certainly exceeded my expectations. Uh, a great conversation all the way through. But, of course, it, you can find me. PeteLive.tv will get you right to our live stream. Uh, join us. Uh, but don't, don't uh, you know, when I say join us, you know, we, we want to be actively involved right now. It's the most important time in all of human history. Uh, let's lock arms together and do God's work because, you know, um, Faith without, you know, good works is what? 
is, is dead. Is dead. <laughs> it is. All right. Well, we have a, I always close with a prayer. If it's okay, we'll do a prayer. Oh, amen to that. Absolutely perfect timing. Yep. All right. Father, I just want to thank you for this amazing meeting, Kindred Spirits with Pete Santilli, and the absolute pleasure and honor to finally get a chance to have a great conversation with him. Father, this is a man who truly carries the heart, your heart, out here in the heart of Jesus to seek that place where we look beyond the flesh, we look beyond the sin, and we, and we separate the sin from the sinner, and we and really seize that in people, and we just continue to pray for his success and just declare upon him that, that authority to continue to lead people in that way with clear eyes, no scales, and the true sense of of lifting people up with the sense of understanding who we are. We are truly the sons of the Most High. And in this time, that is such an important place to anchor ourselves in, and it's unfortunately not as a, not a common place to hear, and yet tonight we've heard so much of just that. So thank you, Father, for this amazing interview. And just bless Pete and his family and all of his work, and whether he calls it or not, it's his ministry that he brings to the world with real-life experience, a true walk of Paul that reminds us truly of holding the faith and overcoming what seems to be impossible odds, that those stories and testimonies can lift other people up to lead them in the difficult times that are here and may come more in the future, but to always understand who we are, which he presents so well. So in Christ Jesus' name we declare, amen. Amen, amen, and amen. Thank you, sir. I look forward to meeting you in person. I will be out there in Kentucky. Well, you know, um, we're having an event on the 8th of April up uh, north of Milford. I'll get you details. Milford? North of, we're about an hour north of Milford. We're going to go up. We're having a revival in the middle of the eclipse. We'd love to. Why don't you come up? Oh, I will be there in Milford. I, I will definitely be there. Resistance chicks are going to be there. So. Oh, yeah, uh, we're, we're, teaming, we're teaming up. So why don't you come and speak? Oh, I'd, 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 I'd love to. Yeah, okay. I'd be okay. honored uh, to be there and... Uh, yeah, we'll see you in Milford, April 8th. Sounds good. Look forward to it, Pete. All right, Scott. Have a, have a great night. We'll be in touch. All right, God bless you. Talk to you soon. Okay, bye-bye. Well, Patriots, that was Pete Santilli. And <laughs> what can I say? That was Pete Santilli. Awesome conversation. <laughs> uh, he's, he's level. He's straight. Walks with, walks with Christ and understands what we're contending against. And he's got the experience to talk, which that's... When you're running into people like this, I mean, that's where I have so much respect is for people who have literally walked in those darker places and then are able to come back and say, yeah, this is the only way, and the way is with Jesus. It's easy to walk in a world where things aren't very much disrupted. But when we're walking truly in where we've seen the darkest of dark, and we've seen how the government operates in particular, we start to build real character and real depth. Not that I wish it upon anybody, but it definitely does change you. And he's definitely one who has been changed and has not let it embitter him, which is incredible in itself. It really is. So, Patriots, thank you for being here tonight. Good long interview, but I think it was worth the time for sure. So, again, and thank you for all the support. And we should be really celebrating the accomplishments we've made in, with the Mandolin Farms property in Flemingsburg. That's been, we've seen some updates tonight, and I'll send up some more updates um, as well as pictures and things like that and as we go forward here. So 
keep that going around. And we've, we're in funding phase two, trying to push to get all that funded by the end of June. So Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land, expand the kingdom, subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I forgot we have one thing to do here tonight before we go, and that's to pray for Nikki. Nikki has um, been kind of railroaded in a particular court case, and they surprised her with a bench trial tomorrow morning. And it's um, she's pretty stressed. She's got a lot of pressure on her on this one. This goes back some time, and it's just has to do with some dumb way of the way things work. So she's been trying. They've been trying to force a plea deal on a uh, on a, a, just a ticket she had, and she's been trying to fight it. And then so they've been trying to force her hand to accept whatever they're going to give her. So um, Nikki's a fighter, if you know Nikki, and she believes in justice, and she knows that she's right and she's innocent. But they keep wanting to force a plea. So this house has to do with the driving detail. So um, we want to pray for her tonight because there's a there's a lot at stake tomorrow morning. They've gotten pretty aggressive on this. And she's stressed. And so, Father, we just want to lift up Nikki in prayer tonight and just um, ask that, you know, as she goes into that moment tomorrow, that our prayers are with her and that you just relieve her heart with the frustration, the anger, and, 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 and where she's sitting and just... Pour, pour within her a loving and forgiving heart. And we just pray for, for your hand of justice, Father, as we step into this. And um, just pray that what your will be done, and it will be done in a, in a way that we know that wherever you put Nikki, she'll, is where you need her. But most importantly, that we truly have the hand, your hand involved in this tomorrow. We are dealing constantly with the corruption of the court system, especially since we got into COVID con. And there is just so much of this going on. And we are just praying against any evil, praying against any sort of injustice. And we're just praying truly that the heart of repentance is at the center of all things, common sense and appreciation for somebody who walks in Jesus. And so we just pray that that light of Christ will flow within her and through her tomorrow as she stands strong and endures whatever things are happening. And then with that, be able to lean in and feel the power of Jesus with her and to literally, Father, just make this thing go as easy as possible, whatever it is, and whatever evil is there, dispel it. And may this be truly just an example of the power of Holy Spirit stepping in and convening a moral law rather than a legislative law. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. So just keep your prayers up for her. She's also dealing with a lot of demonic attacks right now. It's just, just things happening on a lot of levels and She's strong. She's a big part of our community. Um, she does an incredible job in everything we have social media-wise. Huge credit to the success of spreading the message, and I just want to make sure our prayers are with her. All right, Patriots, again, I'll see you tomorrow morning. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again Dive into the deepest end Oh, I want to feel something
Oh 